Today, we look at the things that might keep you from being fruitful and doing well in life, and then we consider what you can do about it. Today, it's all about roadblocks and resources. <laughs> Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. Now, there are a lot of moving parts to the journey, but our foundation is built on Jesus, the solid rock, and He is unmoving. So keep your eyes on the prize and keep making steps forward in your spiritual journey. Now, last week, we discussed the different roles that we have to play in life, and all of us have usually several different roles that we play. And I encourage you to brainstorm some ideas connecting your gifts, talents, and abilities with the roles that you have in life. My question to start out is, how'd that go for you? For some of us, I'd say that's easy and fun. And for other people, it's quite challenging. So I don't know where you are in the spectrum, but hopefully it was at least profitable. Whether it was fun or not, it's totally debatable. (laughs) But it's worth doing. So if you haven't done that, go back and listen to the last show um, and think about the roles you have. Think about what it would look like to do those well. Also think about how God's made you. Consider your your gifting. Consider your talents. Uh, consider what you're able to do. And it's worth thinking about the things that you'd like to be able to do. You know, there are lots of things in life that we can improve on as we continually uh, work at it. We should be working to to grow in many different areas and to add to the things that we can do. So include that in the mix as well. Now, I do understand that for some people, it's rare to step back and really consider the big picture. You know, we like to focus on the thing that's right in front of us. I don't know if we like to, that's just our natural bent. We tend to see with blinders on, we see what's right in front of us. And based on our current desires, we don't often step back and see where does this lead down the road. Uh, We need to do that, but we're not so good at it. I'm not sure why that is simply baked into human nature, but we're not really good at it. But I promise you that it's worth considering the big picture. You, you reap many different benefits by intentionally joining in God's work, understanding what He's doing and how He has created you to fit into that, looking back and seeing life as more than just what you're focusing on right now, what's right in front of you, the work you're doing with your hands. Now, it does take focusing on that to do anything well. You do have to pay attention to it, but there's a lot of value in stepping back and seeing how does who I am, how God made me, and what I'm doing contribute to the bigger picture of what God is doing. So understanding why and how God made you, your purpose and gifting, will give clarity to what you do. I heard a story uh, and I think this was in some of our summer programs years ago in a book that we were using. I talked about this vision, seeing the bigger picture. A man was walking along the street, I think they said in New York City, but somewhere they were building something. So he asked the first workman he saw, I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm laying brick. Well, okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> I can see that you're laying brick. So he walked on to the next man and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm earning a paycheck. Okay, again, both of those things were true. The first guy absolutely was laying brick. The second guy, 
totally he's going to get paid for doing his work. But it's not really the answer we're looking for. So he went to the third guy and said, what are you doing? The guy said, I'm building a cathedral. And he said, in the story, you know, he, said, he stood back and looked up and there's nothing there yet. You know, they're, they're still at the ground level. They're building this. But he looks up and he can envision what's coming. I'm building a cathedral. I'm building something beautiful that has meaning and purpose and value. So the way he looked at what he was doing, now all three men were laying brick. (laughs) All three men are going to get a paycheck. But only one of them had the joy that comes from seeing that your part of this job uh, contributes to something a lot bigger. It's not just laying brick. So I think that's helpful for all of us. So this is particularly important when we think about the number of decisions that we have to make every day. Now, all of us have lives that are just full of little choices. And every choice you make has the potential to bring you uh, closer to Jesus or a little further away. What that means is a little closer to the rest and peace that he offers or a little further away from that. And I know which one I want. You know, all of us, as we look at life and we look at our choices, there seems to be a certain level of busyness and stress that just comes with with living, with uh, earning a paycheck and having to take care of other people if you're a parent. Or uh, there's just so many things that can can lead to unrest. But the choices that we make that lead us closer to God, that help us to understand what he's doing, how he's doing it, and, and what he wants us to do, our role in his plan. The choices we make that move us in line with that, I think move us closer to that rest and peace in the here and now. Now, I know a lot of people, they just assume, well, it's going to be better, but that's going to be in eternity. It's, this life's just going to be a, you know, a mess the whole way through. And at times it certainly feels that way, and for some people that is true. But I don't think that's God's intention for everybody all the time. And even in the midst of uh, great pain and suffering and uh, disaster, what Jesus offers is a different kind of peace. It's not peace in your circumstances. It's peace in your heart. It's peace in your soul. It's rest from the worry and fear that the world seems to uh, operate on. We can trust Him to do the right thing, and to work this out in eternity. Therefore, I don't have to be stressed about it, even though it's not necessarily going the way that I would want things to go right now. Okay, acknowledging all that's true. And even if you're intentionally pursuing those things that God has for you, you you want to be all that He intends for you to be there still seems to be a lot of things that happen to make everything harder. Like, you're on your way home early because there's a storm coming and you find a tree across the road. You hit the brakes and stop, and well, now what? (laughs) You've hit a roadblock. Your pathway forward is blocked. Well, roadblocks are common when we're trying to follow Jesus and honor Him in every area of life. They're incredibly common. Why is that? Well, part of the reason is just 
there is really an enemy. There is a, a battle on, and we don't often acknowledge that on a regular basis, but there is somebody who wants you to fail at life. And sometimes we, we kind of get that sense that, man, it, it seems like the, the cosmos is working against me. You know, life is working against me. Well, it's uh, because of the way that the world has been um, tainted by sin, because of the personal sin nature that we have, yeah, there is a a, a sense in which life is <laughs> against you. But there's also a very real enemy. And roadblocks are common, whether they're a consequence of just sin and the way that the world is, is fallen, or whether it's a consequence of an enemy who is actually attacking you. Roadblocks are common, particularly when you are pursuing Christ, when you are pursuing what He has for you. So roadblocks are common. They should not be a surprise. We shouldn't be horrified or scared or even overly disappointed when you see them. Uh, Part of the reason I want to talk about this today is you should recognize that roadblocks are part of life. Roadblocks are part of this process. And I really believe the process of recognizing and overcoming roadblocks in your life is how you grow spiritually. Roadblocks force you to look beyond yourself and recognize there are things I can't control. There are things I can't do. Now what? Well, I need to trust God in those times. We'll come back to that. We'll think about some of the resources God has given us to deal with roadblocks. But to start with, what are some common barriers? What are some common roadblocks that we face? Well, looking at God's Word and looking at life and looking at my my own experience as well, fear is a big one. We tend toward fear of different kinds. And it's makes perfectly good sense if you think about it. We fear being out of control, but you don't really control anything. So it's right that you should uh, recognize that. Now, does that have to automatically mean you're afraid? No, but it is a recognition. It's one way that people are responding to this truth that we're not in control. You can do things that influence your health, but you can do that and still uh, die early from cancer or die in a car wreck or, you know, there's so many things uh, just in that one area of thing about your physical health that you have no control over. Now, you can do things that can contribute and influence your health, but you can do all that right and still um, have something happen tomorrow that takes all that away. It's the truth. Does that mean you have to be afraid? No. Fear of man is particularly a big fear for a lot of people. We are taught in this society that uh, you have to really pay attention to what other people think. You should care, really, and, and do things to make other people comfortable. And there's a, a part of truth to that. Definitely, when we look at following Jesus, we do care about other people. Do we do the wrong thing just because we're afraid of doing the right thing? Well, no, we should never do that. But we are aware of other people who, who look at us. And, you know, I go back to the Gospels and look at how Jesus lived and his 
ministry was lived under a microscope, basically. So I've been reading, recently I finished Matthew and I've been reading in Luke in my personal devotions, and it's just really interesting how everywhere that Jesus went, once he got started, it seems like there was a crowd. There were people that pursued him to be near to see what is he going to say, what is he going to do, and particularly when his um, teachings were taking place, it seems like on a consistent basis, there were Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, different religious leaders, people who knew the Old Testament and were lifted up in that society as the leaders, and they really were listening carefully to everything that Jesus had to say. So he could have, you know, I think most of us would have lived in a good bit of fear saying, oh, I got to really be careful what I say. Uh, you know, I, these people are listening. They're watching for me to make a mistake. And it's one thing. There's a group that are listening because they want to learn. They want to understand. And then there's a group who are listening because they want to find fault. And we still have those groups in the world today. Uh, something came across my uh, news feed earlier this week, and there was a religious leader who had said something, and just a firestorm started. And there are people that were asking him legitimate questions because they want to learn, and there are other people that are attacking him because of his view. And whether his statement was a slip of the tongue or an actual deep felt belief is irrelevant it's the, it's the point that they were the same as the way that people were approaching Jesus. There are people who really wanted to understand God's Word and how we should act in certain situations and other people who just want to find fault. And I think we, we always have that. You're going to have that. So fear of man is a big thing. And right along with that, you can say fear of even success. So some people are afraid of failure. <laughs> you can be afraid that we're going to do poorly and people are going to attack us. But I think there's a large number of people who are afraid to try because they might succeed. <laughs> so, well, then life changes if you succeed at something and do really well. Maybe other people would look at you or are, as a leader. Maybe you would need to change other things in your life. So that fear of change is a huge, uh, huge barrier in many of our lives. And I would say similar, a little bit different. Doubt is a close cousin to fear. We know what we should do. Sometimes we're just afraid to try it. And other times it's not that we're afraid, but we just don't really think it's going to work. Like we know what we should do, but I know that's what God says, but I don't think it, I don't think it'll work for me. I mean, it's, yes, I know God said do that and it works for everybody else, but I'm, I'm a special case. <laughs> so that doubt can keep us from attempting things that we should be doing. So fear, I mean, that's that's a roadblock. If you are afraid, you are probably not going to attempt a lot of things that you should be uh, trying. Uh, you're probably going to be slow to do other things. And that hesitation actually is part of why some things fail. You know, there's some things you have to do with good energy and commitment. And if you're fearful and doubtful going in, saying, well, this is probably not going to work, but I'll, I'll half try it. Well, okay, half trying it is not quite the same as trying it in faith and doing just doing what God said with absolute confidence that God will accomplish His purpose. 
So fear is a huge thing. Social pressure is closely related to this idea of fear, maybe fear of man um, and social pressure go hand in hand. But sometimes it's not necessarily that, that we're afraid, but that pressure that there there is a great expectation that you act in a certain way in certain situations. And depending on who you are and your context, you may have a track record and you're a little bit, um, I don't know, typecast. This is what you typically have done. So people are going to expect you to continue to act the same way. So when you go to change, there can sometimes be barriers, roadblocks, where other people won't allow you. Oh, no, you can't do that. This, this is what you've always done. You've got to do that. Um, and this is true at all levels of society. And I know I've had conversations with some pastors recently where as we talk about things that the church needs to do, Biblically, it's it's not rocket science. We understand some of the things that we should be doing. But in many churches, there's an expectation that the pastor do certain things. So to change that, uh, it's not that he's afraid. It's that the church is unwilling. <laughs> so there's social pressure to keep doing the same thing, even when there's a an acknowledgement that maybe this is not the right thing for us to do. Or... Uh, the pastor would like to help the church make steps in a certain direction, but the church is just unwilling. And that social pressure keeps the whole church from changing. And sometimes it's just a small group. You know, we've heard of churches where uh, deacon boards run the church, and that pressure that they apply um, can be devastating and really keep the church from making good progress when they need to. So, Fear of man, social pressure, often those are hand in hand, are very similar. Sin, ah, sin always puts a damper on things. <laughs> so it makes you question your calling and ability. If you have sinned and you acknowledge it, often the way that that continually keeps you from making progress is that you're, you're forgiven. If you've confessed it and you've repented, you're forgiven and you understand that intellectually. That's one thing. But your feelings don't always fall into line with that. So you feel guilty. You remember the sin. Instead of dwelling on the forgiveness, we dwell on the sin. And what that does is keeps us from making progress. It can keep us from putting first things first and from boldly making steps that Jesus tells us that we can make because of the forgiveness that we received in Him. So... Always, we, we want to deal with sin quickly and properly. It's important to recognize that uh, even sin that's been taken care of can be a stumbling block to us. It can, there can be consequences of sin. Uh, there can be um, that guilt, the feelings that go on. And maybe continuing with that idea of consequences consequences from past mistakes, you know, you may confess and repent of your sin, of a mistake that you made, that doesn't mean you get away with it. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have consequences. And there are consequences that become roadblocks. Uh, there are consequences that keep you from doing what maybe you should have done. Some doors close because of consequences, because of the things that carry forward with us because of uh, sin in our life. 
you can think of, you know, silly examples that have big consequences. You know, you can um, spend a lot of money on uh, a new car when you don't have a good job and then decide you're just going to drive carefully and you're not going to get insurance and all those kind of things. And then you can have a, a wreck. Well, without insurance and without the ability to sell now this car that you owe a lot of money, you could be stuck with a loan payment, but not have a car to drive. <laughs> I've heard of that happening to people. So is that smart? Well, no, it wasn't smart. Was it sin? No, I wouldn't call it sin. I'd call it stupid. <laughs> but that's a different problem, right? It has a consequence that you can't just walk away from. And there are a lot of choices like that in life. There are consequences that follow us that can be roadblocks. Okay, moving on, laziness. Um, ouch. <laughs> that Laziness can definitely be a roadblock. You just don't want to do the right thing. It's going to take too much effort. You know, real life change requires a commitment to do things differently, and just that much alone is, is hard. But often, the things that we need to do take some real effort. And we can go back to our example of health. You know, I've always really tried to emphasize my need to be healthy because it's a way of um, treating my body as the temple of God. You know, I I am His tool, and I want to be a healthy tool. He's given me a certain level of health, and now it's a stewardship issue. So I need to take care of it. That doesn't mean I do that perfectly. So I've had times in my life where, you know, I gain a little too much weight, and particularly this is a, an ongoing struggle even now as we're going through kind of a transition where busyness makes consistency in exercise difficult. And then things like travel make eating good difficult. And you have that combination of it's hard to exercise consistently and it's easy to eat too much, whether it's because people are uh, feeding you well or travel food is horrible. So I, you know, I try to take my own snacks and things like that. But that combination makes it difficult. Not impossible, but it does make it difficult. So the lazy response is, well, it's just time. I just need to get through it. So I don't have time to exercise. So rather than do the extra effort, not just of the exercise, but the extra effort of planning something I can take with me and something I can do in a hotel or on the side of the road, rather than do that, I'll just wait. Okay, so that's a little bit of laziness coming into play. And then I could plan out my meals while I'm gone and carry the snacks and food and make better choices, but it's just easy to go along with the flow and everybody else. It becomes laziness. And the consequence of that <laughs> would be a few extra pounds that then you have to get off. So we can understand how we get there, right? But that laziness now becomes a roadblock when the travel's over, you're back home. You could begin to make those good choices again, but it takes more effort than it did before. You know, I, I find, I think this is true for most people, but at least for me, I find that if I can be consistent, even if it's a little harder to keep doing it while I travel, as long as I can be consistent to a certain level, then coming back, it's easy to, to get back into a be, even a better exercise program. But when I take that time off, well, then I'm, it's hard to start again. Well, then you're just like, ah, oh, tired. Uh, it's just hard. So 
consistency, that little bit of effort to be consistent as you travel, makes coming back and getting to it again easier. The roadblock is that that laziness is just hard to get started. It takes effort. It's harder to start an exercise program than it is to continue on. And part of that's because you're out of shape, right? So I've had those times in my life where I've been out of shape for a while and now I'm trying to get back into it. Uh, running is a good example. If you haven't run for a while, the first few weeks, for me, I think about two weeks. If I can run consistently for two weeks, then I'm pretty much back in the groove. But that first two weeks, there are definitely a few runs in there where you go, this is horrible. I mean, just feel like you have lead in your shoes and feel terrible. So laziness recognizes this is going to be hard and doesn't want to do it. (laughs) So laziness in a lot of areas, you can recognize things like uh, Bible memorization program. You said, I know it's going to help me if I memorize scripture, but it's just hard. You know, it's just, it's tiring. You had to pick pick out the verses and a process and then you got to actually work on them. So laziness can keep us from doing something that is helpful to us. Another thing, shallow and improper relationships. You know, we live in the world today where we don't relate well together. I mean, our relationships in general just seem to be terrible. <laughs> I don't I don't know why um, that as a whole, it seems like across the globe that our relationships are so bad. But a lot of relationships are really shallow. So there's there's no real depth to our conversations. Uh, and there are other relationships that we allow to go to a place they shouldn't. So they're improper relationships. So either and both <laughs> really do make it hard to make consistent good changes. Shallow relationships mean we don't often have the people to help us. You know, you're always going to do better if you have a little bit of encouragement. If you don't have people to encourage you, ah, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. If you don't have um, teammates, you know, you don't have people in the same place, people that are walking the same path, then you're going to struggle a little bit. And when you have improper relationships, a lot of times it's not just that they're not going to help you. They're actively going to discourage you from doing the right thing. Okay, that's not good. That's going to be a problem. So improper relationships, shallow relationships, I mean, we are relational people. Going back to that fear of man, improper relationships can cause us to fear um, people's opinions who we shouldn't even, they shouldn't be that high in our, our list of, of people that we value their opinion, but we've gone to a place we shouldn't. Similar to that, maybe related, misplaced priorities. You know, if you're aiming for the wrong goals, then it's really bad if you hit them. <laughs> so if you have the wrong kind of relationships, people are encouraging you to take wrong directions, bad directions, then you can be doing something, accomplishing things, but it's the wrong things, and that's going to be difficult. So basically what I mean is we're not aligning life with Jesus and his mission. If we're not doing that, we're going to have struggles. Uh, Misplaced priorities means we're going to be aiming for the wrong things. So that can cause all kinds of problems. Even when we're making some progress in some respects, we're going forward, we're doing something, we're learning something, we're accomplishing something. If it's the wrong thing, that's not good. (laughs) Not good at all. Okay, we have just a little bit more to talk about with roadblocks, but we're going to take a short break, and then I'll be back, and we're going to consider the resources that God has given us to combat the roadblocks that we face. Be back in just a second. 
Hey, welcome back. We are finishing up looking at some of the roadblocks and then we'll go on to resources. But I guess the last thing that I want to look at with roadblocks, you may be surprised that I didn't list time and money as roadblocks. <laughs> well, they can be problems, but I don't like to put them in the category of roadblocks because if our goal is to be like Christ, I'm just not sure that time and money are the big issues that we often think they are. Now, how you use your time and money, that's a different story. You can use it in such a way that it definitely becomes a roadblock. But generally, with time, for example, you have time to do what you want. You have time to do what's most important to you. So it goes back to, in our time, to what I mentioned earlier, misplaced priorities. If you are trying to accomplish the wrong things, then you may not have enough time to do the right things. If you put something above God, you're pursuing something besides Christ daily, then yeah, you, you may have trouble with time. But the problem is not the time. The problem is the priority, how you spend the time. And money doesn't grow your, your spiritual life. You know, I've spent a lot of time with uh, people that are not well off. Um, I know people who are well off. <laughs> um, the happiest people typically are not the wealthiest people. Now, there are wealthy people who are doing well. Their priorities are right. Uh, they're glorifying God in the way they use their time and their finances. But it seems to be more of a, a temptation to have money than it does to not have it. And time can actually be the same way as well. If you've got lots of time, then there's lots of temptation to do something that just you want to with it rather than being more careful and managing and saying, hey, I want to use the time I have available for the glory of God. So you have lots of time, you have lots of money. That's actually not, not helpful a lot of times. It can be a roadblock. So time and money don't directly grow your, your spiritual life. They can in the way that you choose to use them um, cause you problems, though. All right, let's take a little reflection time here. What are the things in your life that have the potential to be roadblocks on your way toward spiritual growth in Christ-likeness? Now, only you can answer that. Your life, where you are right now, um, to a large extent, is based on the work of God in your life so far and the result of the choices that you have made in your life so far. You're a different person probably if you accepted Christ early. Maybe you didn't even hear the gospel until you were in your 30s. <laughs> you know, it, your situation is different. Your potential roadblocks are different than other people's. So there are some generalities I've mentioned things and I've tried to keep it where they're broadly speaking going to apply to a lot of people. But you may have specific roadblocks based on who you are, where you are, your current context, and what God is doing in your life. So it's worth stopping and saying, God, what are the things that are keeping me from giving you my whole heart, pursuing you with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? What are those barriers? What are those roadblocks? Identify them. Put them down. 
Uh, you want to address them specifically, and some of them are uh, unique to you and your context, your situation. But we don't stop there, fortunately. I mean, we, we want to look at the roadblocks we have, but we also want to remember and focus on the truth that God has given us resources to deal with the roadblocks. God is not surprised by any problem that you face. Now, we are often surprised by problems that we face, but God never is. So what resources do you have to overcome the roadblocks in your life? And I think we have a lot more resources than we think about. Often we're, we're too focused on the roadblock to think about the way that God is intending to use our overcoming this roadblock to grow us. So we're going to look broadly at two categories and kind of like the first ones, the, the roadblocks, there are general resources and then there are specific resources that maybe only are available to you. The general ones are the things that we talk about all the time. We, we all have access to and need to rely on for wisdom and strength and spiritual growth. So what are we talking about? Well, it's kind of the big three or four, depending on how you want to uh, number these, but the, God's Word. You have God's Word, which teaches us, gives us principles, gives us truths that we need to be learning and living out. And as we actively attempt to live out what God's Word says, that does, in some cases, point out some roadblocks. In other cases, it just completely eliminates them. If you do what God says, some roadblocks will never come up. I mean, that's just a truth. If you um, are seeking to be the person who has the moral character that God describes in the Bible, there are some things you're going to stay away from that just won't be issues. So we need to know those principles, and we need to be attempting to actively live out what God said. Prayer. Uh, if we're spending time consistently in prayer, uh, I, I do think there's a, I don't know if you want to call it a calming effect, but if you genuinely trust God, if you understand that what He is doing is is good and just, that it doesn't mean He's always leading you to safety. You know, we, we tend to talk a lot about safety in the world today. I'm not sure that's what God's doing. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily want you to be safe in the sense of your physical safety. He wants you to be pursuing Christ-likeness. And think about it. I mean, the Gospels point out a life that Jesus and his followers lived that was not leading them to safety. I don't think God's leading you to safety either. Now, we often want that. But a life that understands who God is and what God is doing and that time in God's Word in prayer, particularly the prayer part of that, gives us a calmness and a peace and understanding God's doing something that may involve danger to me in the short run, but it's worth it. The value has to be understood. If we don't understand the value in what God's doing, then we're going to struggle to be part of it. We're going to struggle to sacrifice, to make any kind of sacrifice for something we don't believe in. So time in God's Word, reformatting our worldview, understanding the world as God sees it, spending that time in prayer where the Holy Spirit is, is working in us and helping us to process the Bible that we're reading really helps us to to kind of settle. It, you know, it's okay if I don't have 
success in this life. It's okay if I don't have certain things now, if I'm not always comfortable. It's not about me. And I think that's a message that we are losing in the world today. For most people today, it is about them. (laughs) It does seem to be that a lot of people look at all of life and their comfort and their desires being met and their wants, and that's the number one thing. God clearly tells us that's not the one number one thing. And I think that time in God's Word and in prayer and the Holy Spirit working in us is part of helping us develop a worldview that's consistent with what God says is the main thing, and that's Him and His glory and ultimately His mission. The third thing would be the fourth, if you want to count the Holy Spirit as one of those things, and I, we should count that. Uh, the Holy Spirit is available to us. The Holy Spirit is working in us. So as uh, we read God's Word as we spend time in prayer, the Holy Spirit is moving in us to help us to understand it, to give us wisdom and strength to live it out. So Holy Spirit is definitely part of this, one of the resources we have. Then the church family. There's definitely a need for more and closer intentional relationships in our life. We all have people that we like who like us, and those are are easy to make friends who we have a lot of commonalities with. Although, and I've mentioned here several times in the last few months, there seems to be a breakdown even in this over the last 50 years. Uh, we seem to have, particularly in, with men, fewer friends and shallower friendships. And that's a problem. And that's one of the things that going forward is making it difficult for us. So I can't encourage you enough that you need to be part of a community of Jesus followers who are focused on living out his commands and carrying out his mission. We call that a church. <laughs> and you know, sometime I should take a little more time and maybe help us work through this idea of of church because we don't use the word properly very often in our society. Uh, Church is not a building. It's not a time and place. It's not an event. It's not a specific worship service. The church really is this community of Jesus followers. Now, we can talk more about definitions of the church, and some people want to add a lot of things into it, but at its basic level, the church is a group of people who have committed together to follow Jesus and carry out His commands, which would include the Great Commission. So that group of people are not inward-focused. They are outward-focused. One of the reasons we need that, that group, is because the, the roadblocks that we often have, that we face, are roadblocks to Christ-likeness. And a group of Jesus followers, a church community, is a group of people who are all asking the same question, should be all asking the same question. How do I grow and become more like Jesus? How do I live out the truths of God's Word in my context, in my workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood? How do I carry out the Great Commission? What does it mean for me to live as a missionary in the world today? We're all asking those same questions. So if you're facing roadblocks 
in your spiritual life to be part of a community where people are asking the same kinds of questions. Some of them are going to come up with different solutions, and some of those solutions will be helpful to you. Some of the encouragement that time in prayer together and considering how do we do this is super valuable. Just having that time together where we're understand that it's not just me. <laughs> I'm not the only one who faces this. There are other people. So most of the roadblocks that we all face are faced better together. So I, I just cannot encourage you enough. really need to be part of a, a church family, a group of people who are working together, encouraging and helping each other. And I do understand there are a lot of unhealthy church families. And in general, those are ones where people are going to church. They don't understand that they are the church. Uh, they're groups where they rely on a group of leaders to do ministry rather than the church is doing the work of the ministry. And the leaders are shepherding the church as in helping them pursue Christ-likeness and their best. So different topic. We'll have to come back to that some other time. So we have God's Word, prayer, Holy Spirit, church family. Everybody has access to those. Everyone doesn't take advantage, but have access to those common things. One last thing that everyone should have access to is a plan. And hey, that's what we're working on. <laughs> if you don't have a plan, that's kind of what I've been working on for the last um, several weeks, months. Being intentional about how you live and what you pursue in life leads to constantly addressing problems as they appear. I would say a plan, understanding at least broadly what God is doing in your life, who God has made you, and how He is developing you. So when I ask about your gifts, you do need to know what gifts, abilities, and talents you have now, but you also should be aware that that's not what you're stuck with. You have the opportunity to continue to grow in your gifts, to grow in things that you're able to do, to uh, be able to serve others better. You can gain new skills. You, I think you're meant to gain new skills. It's very much like uh, anyone's life. You think of a life cycle. You start as an infant and you're a child and uh, um, you know a teenager and then a young adult and adult. In these different stages... You have different skill sets. You have different things that are expected of you. You have different things that are available to you. Your resources are different when you're a three-year-old and an 18-year-old and a 38-year-old. You have different resources available. You have different options. Well, in your spiritual life, I think it's very similar. As you start out, a brand new believer, if you're, let's just say 20 and you just accepted Christ, your spiritual resources may feel really limited. You may not understand how to use the resources that you have. But you will. <laughs> That's part of the growth process. To understand you have a Bible. And, you know, a new believer, they have a Bible, but they may not really understand how do I get the, the most out of this? How do I really use this? to direct my life? How do I find those principles that relate to where I am? I don't even know what questions to ask. That's true. All of that's true. And I think that's one reason why we need the church family. Those close intentional relationships mean that there are people who are further down the road. So a new believer, 
yeah, we don't expect them to have every answer and make every choice well. We expect mistakes. But other people coming alongside them who have been uh, spending years pursuing Christ-likeness, studying God's Word, and, and attempting to live out what it says, and finding those principles, and then uh, really chewing on those, meditating on what it means to to put this into practice in their own life, that person becomes a great resource for that new believer. Because they, one, they probably have a good idea of what questions they're going to be asking, and two, they have access to a lot of the answers, and three, they know how to find answers that they don't don't know right now because different questions may be asked. But if you learn the process of finding answers for yourself, you can help someone else find answers for questions that you may never have asked. So having a plan is recognizing there is this process of growth in my life, and I should welcome that. I don't want to stay a spiritual three-year-old forever. Uh, We have enough of those in our churches, and they cause all kinds of problems. And when they make it up to be leaders in the church and Sunday school teachers and deacons, then we really have problems. When you have immature believers who are in positions of leadership, but their goal is not pursuing God's best for themselves or the church, uh, that's a problem. And that's where a lot of division in the churches come from. Immaturity, spiritual immaturity. So understand God does want you to grow, and He tells you what that looks like. You know, Paul tells us that we should be pursuing Christ-likeness and growing to be, eventually, teachers, able to help other people. But he's, he says, hey, you should already be teachers, but I'm having to go back to the basics with you guys. I'm having to give you a bottle and bottle feed you, but you should be eating steak. <laughs> well, spiritually, we want to be eating steak. So having a plan is part of developing the muscles, developing uh, the habits in our life so that we can grow. That means many small issues are addressed before they become large issues. And this is really, I, I think, super important. We recognize there are always going to be roadblocks that come that you didn't see coming. That's just true in everybody's life. But if you are intentional about pursuing Christ-likeness, you're intentional about your relationships and actively attempting to live out God's Word as you study it and read it, actively attempting to be a missionary in this life, there are a lot of issues that you'll see it, but it'll never be a big issue because you're aware of the danger and you're you're focused and you're focused on the right things. So keep that in mind. You really do need to have a plan that is a, a plan for your spiritual life. And it's, I don't mean a 30-page document where you're writing out everything that God is doing in your life and that you want to pursue. I mean, at its, at its basics, what everyone should understand, I need to be pursuing Jesus. And what that means is I'm looking at what he said, what the New Testament teaches about the church, and I'm trying to do that. I don't always know what that looks like in my context. My context changes, my job changes, where I am in the world changes, but I want to pursue Jesus and live out what the New Testament tells me to live out as a member of his church family. Practically, what does that look like? And then I I have to accept his mission. I have to be a disciple maker who is helping other people grow. I have to be someone who is uh, on the mission of Jesus. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. That great commission to make disciples of the world is how Jesus is building his church. 
He's building the church. He wants you to make disciples. As you make disciples, he builds his church. That is how this message of reconciliation goes forward. As you share your testimony, your um, story of how God has worked in your life, other people hear and want to know more and learn to pursue Jesus themselves. So this morning I was reading in Luke and I read about the demon-possessed man, Legion. And, you know, he wanted to go with with Jesus after he was um, freed from those demons. And, you know, the, the swine went off the, the cliff into the water and drowned. He really wanted to go with Jesus. But what did Jesus tell him? Jesus said, go back to your home and tell people what great things God has done for you. And it says he went back and told the whole city <laughs> what great things God had done for him. That is the basic method that God has chosen for His church to spread. It's for each one of us to live that missionary existence. So this man was a missionary, and he was a missionary first to his home and then to his city. That kind of sounds like Acts 1-8, if you ask me. You know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. While Jerusalem was his home, Judea is the city. I was talking about this some this morning. I have um, tried to develop a habit of doing my journaling and then doing a small podcast, um, Run With Horses Daily, and just take like five minutes and go through one one or two verses that I've focused on. So let's focus on this verse, that this man was a missionary he went and just did what Jesus said. Go back and tell what great things. So he went back and told what great things God had done for him. That's what we're supposed to do. That, in a nutshell, is the life of a follower of Jesus. We go through life telling people what great things God has done for us. And a lot of the roadblocks that I'm talking about here are roadblocks in doing that, (laughs) in being that missionary in the world. So, you know, if you go back to that first list, what are the big roadblocks? Well, fear. I'm afraid of what other people are going to say. Social pressure. Oh, you shouldn't You shouldn't be talking about those things. You know, what are the things you'd never talk about in public? Well, you know, re- religion and politics. Um, sin. Obviously, sin is going to make it difficult. And then that brings the guilt. So, well, how are people going to listen to me if I've, I've sinned and laziness? Well, I've got, I'm just too tired. I've got other things to do. You know, all those things that we mentioned as roadblocks are things that are roadblocks for us being part of this mission. Not having a plan, understanding that that's what we're supposed to do, that big picture. If it's not clear, we're going to really struggle <laughs> a lot. All right. There are a lot of resources there that we have that God has given us, but there are also resources you may have that they're pretty specific to you. They're unique to you and your situation. So I can't answer all those. Um, But as an easy example, you may have particular people who are in your life that I don't have access to. So who is someone God has brought into your life that might be able to shed new light on your situation? Maybe it's somebody in your church, but maybe it's not. So that's an example. You know who you know. I know who I know, and they're different. All of us have different resources, often in the form of people, to help us face the the challenges that we have. 
how do you find maybe those people, those other things? Well, I'm a big fan of brainstorming, like we talked about last time. So use this idea of brainstorming to attack the roadblocks you face in life. First, take advantage of all those common resources. I mean, you've got to put a priority on God's word, prayer, and God's family. Whatever else you need to do, make sure you do that. But with that foundation, trusting that God's working in you and through you, take one roadblock that you believe would really make a difference if it was overcome. If you could get rid of this one roadblock, I mean, I really believe that would make a difference in my life spiritually. Well, pray about it. Ask your church to pray pray about it. Ask your church family, specific people in your church, go to them and say, hey, would you pray with me specifically, intentionally about this thing in my life as I'm trying to address it and remove this roadblock that would allow me to continue to grow spiritually? Consider the any biblical principles that apply. If you have questions, ask your pastor, ask a more mature believer um, at church, but look for those principles that apply to your situation. Uh, and then you need to put some mental muscles to work on the problem. Given who and where you are now, what can you practically do to solve or lessen the problem? Is there anything you can do today to lessen the pressure even a little? Okay, do that first. <laughs> Next, is there anything you could do that would eventually give you the ability to overcome that current problem? Maybe you can't solve it today. Maybe there's not something that's going to lessen it right now. But is there something you could begin to do that over time would begin to lessen that problem? For example, hate your job. Your job doesn't give you enough time uh, to pursue God, to be part of the church family. Maybe you're always having to work when the church is gathering. Just hate it. Well, can you begin training to do something else? Can you begin looking for a job? So that neither of those will solve it today. But if you begin training for a better job, that has the potential to be life-changing down the road, to give you that extra time to spend with God's family doing uh, ministry. So it's, it's really asking yourself, what are the little steps that I can make today that will add up to a meaningful change in the future? Okay, well, do that. <laughs> so you may need to spend some time brainstorming. And I, I always like to take, you know, a big sheet of paper and just do random word associations. Write down what is the problem? What are issues related to the problem? What are consequences of the problem? Why is this so important? Uh, what are other things in my life that relate? And just brainstorm. Think of everything that you can. Maybe if you're not really comfortable with it, ask someone else to help you. Now, ask some other, other people for advice and things that, what are angles that maybe I'm not looking at or other things that I might not see? <clears throat> but Consider all of those and look for resources, particularly, that you might have that will help you address that problem or resources that you could develop or that you could work on that might help you down the road address that, that roadblock. And ideally, you would do this with all of the roadblocks that you see in your life right now. Consider them practically, intentionally. How can I lessen this roadblock? How can I keep this from being such a big hindrance in my life. And ultimately, God wants to grow you and help you become more like Christ. And I think this process really will help you to grow. God, as He grows us, He doesn't remove every barrier. He allows us to struggle with these things. And I think that struggle builds our spiritual muscles. Thanks for joining me again today. You know, what is God doing in your life? What are the barriers? What are the resources? Well, 
I'd love to hear from you. Write me at Norman at runwithhorses.net or leave a comment on the Run With Horses podcast Facebook page. But take the time to pause and thank God for His work in your life and whatever you do. Keep running. <laughs>